0: Welcome, everyone, to EMDR Chat with Kurt and Michelle. I'm Dr. Curtis Rounson.
1: And I am Dr. Michelle Gottlieb. And I'm so glad, we're both so glad that you all are here. And by the way, I want to do a quick thank you because uh, there are more and more listeners every day and every week. And we do appreciate that you take the time to listen to our podcast. So thank you. Um, one of the questions that we often get, both as trainers, as consultants on the podcast, is... How do I know if my client is ready to actually start doing EMDR reprocessing?
0: Isn't that an interesting question? I'm glad you said reprocessing, because what you usually right. hear, or people say, "Well, I don't know if my client is ready to do EMDR." Mm-hmm. And you know what we train people in is at the moment they walk into our office, Michelle, we've begun EMDR therapy, because there are eight phases. And what most people are saying, just like you said, is when is my client ready for the reprocessing of the trauma, which are phases four, five, and six. Important distinction.
1: And actually, I say that I start doing EMDR therapy on that first point of contact, whether it's a phone call or email or whatever, because I'm already conceptualizing from the AIP model.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Right.
1: So... Um, the question then becomes, right? We are doing phase one history taking, we're doing phase two resourcing preparation,
0: mechanics
1: phase three the all the mechanics. But once we get into the actual deep dive of the work, that's when clinicians, not necessarily clients but clinicians tend to get nervous about how do I know if my client's actually ready? What if I go too soon? What if I go too late?
0: yeah, it is good good question, and you know. Uh, the reprocessing phase is a dance, and we, we reprocess and sometimes we have to do a slow dance or fast dance depending upon the nature of the issue. Is this a symptom reduction issue where we need to get them back somewhere and th- you know within three sessions necessary for work? Or can we do comprehensive treatment, which can take weeks and months? And those are all the things we have to consider before we begin reprocessing.
1: So there are many clinical choice points as we are looking at um, when is it time to start reprocessing. One is if it's complex PTSD or they're extremely dissociative, the clinical choice points we do for that versus someone who is um, an EAP client and I've got five sessions to deal with the car accident, let's get that going, right? Right.
0: Yes, I think, you know, I, I always go back to Arnie Hoffman's uh, three-test th- uh, theory of when people are ready. And what he means by that is the the test-taking uh, test, uh, test the history-taking test. Can he give history without, you know, melting out of their chair? Uh, because as we've talked in our trainings, history is, is an assessment tool also. As they tell us the story... Are they able to contain themselves? Are they able to be upset and then shift states to a calm state after telling the story? That gives us information to the degree of their emotional regulation. It gives us input that we might be able to begin the reprocessing a little more quickly than others. Then there's the everyday test. Can they come to our appointment on time? Or do they have a job? they have housing? You know, keep, keeping schedules, things like that. And finally, he talked about the safe place, uh, safe, calm place test. Are they able to go back to what I said before, shift states? And so if they're able to do that, then you're probably pretty ready to do that. The issue is when they're not able to do that.
1: And let me speak a little bit more to what that looks like if they're able to do that. We're looking for good enough. We're not looking for perfect, because if they were pristine about all this, they wouldn't be coming into therapy. So good enough able to shift states, good enough to tell their story, to be stay within their window of tolerance, good enough of doing their daily tasks, showing up at work most of the time, right? So it doesn't have to... People think... Clinicians often think that before I can start um, doing the deep dive work, we need them to be completely stable. Right. Right. Francine Shapiro, um, several years ago, told us during a conference, because we used to do phase two preparation, resource them to death for months and months and months, because we needed them to be totally stable before we started doing reprocessing. And she reminded us that people are not going to be stable until we do the reprocessing.
0: If you best The, the quickest way to stabilize your patient was to desensitize their trauma, she said. And if you remember, historically, she began uh, her whole work with the thing called eye movement desensitization, which is a different kind of uh, approach. It's not reprocessing, it's a symptom focused kind of approach. And that was put in the back burner for a while when, when the R was added and the development of the comprehensive EMDR treatment began to be developed by Francine. And then when everyone just was resourcing the heck out of people, she pulled EMD back out of the toolbox and began to talk about it again because she dealt with some very highly unstable people, but was able to do her dissertation with these people without them melting out of the chair because she was doing EMD as a stabilizing technique, but she didn't know it at that time.
1: So again, that clinical choice point, right, Kurt, that I have someone who's very fragile or highly dissociative, when do I start doing the work? Well, you already started because there's phases. you start with phase one. But you can make the clinical choice point of doing EMD rather than EMDR, the whole standard protocol.
0: That's right. And we always have to go, and when do we begin the reprocessing? It goes back to what we touched upon earlier. What's the purpose of the meeting with this client? Is this a symptom reduction session where we're really trying to get them just good enough to get back to their job. Uh, We don't have the time to do comprehensive treatment of childhood trauma. Uh, Because all those kinds of questions determine when the reprocessing begins. And the earlier the trauma, the more complex the trauma, complex PTSD, the longer it takes to prepare them for the work because of the emotional dysregulation that these patients have and our job is to help them create those containers and those resources to contain the emotions.
1: Well, and let me add again, this is the, as you're thinking about that client, right? That client that scares you and you're not sure you want to do reprocessing with them. All the stuff that we're talking about, the phase two preparation, the container, the learning DBT skills, whatever that is that helps them stay within their window of tolerance. We're doing this So they're ready to start the work, not finish the work, right? And that's that dance that Kurt was talking about, that we may, you know, do some, you know, in phase two, preparation, do resourcing, start, whether we start doing reprocessing, whether we're doing EMD or standard protocol, whatever that clinical choice point is, and we start doing the work. And if they come out of their window of tolerance, they have the stop signal, we may, at that point, go back to phase two, do some resourcing. And then go back into the work. So it's a dance that we go back and forth and back and forth as is the as the client needs it.
0: That's right. As the client needs it. And the other thing I think we need to at least touch upon is whose window of tolerance are we really talking about?
1: <laughs> right. For so
0: many therapists, when they begin, if they've come from traditions where strong emotions were to be put back into a cognitive framework, when someone feels strong emotions, their first often instinct is to calm them down, to stop the processing, to help them shift states to a calm place. And one of the things from the AIP, Adaptive Information Processing Model, that we really believe is that strong emotion is part of the memory network. We need to process it, but we teach ways in our trainings of how to do that without necessarily having to stop the reprocessing. Different little maneuvers in the reprocessing to keep them within their window of tolerance.
1: And like a follow-up to that is, I've had people ask me, um, "Well, my client says they're ready, wants to start. Why am I taking so long?" Right? And I think that speaks to often. Well, two pieces: one, our level of discomfort. Maybe our window of tolerance isn't right. big enough. Um, but it, but we do need to assess: is the client honestly ready? Or do they just want to push ahead? Because that's how I get through life. I just keep pushing, right?
0: I I love the the client that comes in the first session. And, you know, I've never seen them before. So we're taking uh, some history. And why are they coming in? You're thinking about what the potential targets might be and what our treatment goals are. And at the end of that first hour, they look at me and they say, well, aren't we going to do EMDR?" Because they have the idea that what EMDR therapy is, is the eye movements. It's a reprocessing phase. So part of it is educating them that, like you said, from time of first contact, we've begun EMDR therapy. We just haven't gotten to the EMDR reprocessing yet because we have to know what it is we're targeting.
1: On the other hand, I have had, again, uh, consultees talk to me about... I met my client for the first time today and I jumped into doing reprocessing. And I'm like, oh, no, I, I don't know them well enough to start that. You know, I, I, that would be scary for me. You know, let me let me do a couple of sessions so I know who I'm dealing with before I start reprocessing.
0: Yes. If they come in and they are um, already upset and, you mm-hmm. know, we don't have any history on them, that's a good opportunity to do some resourcing and help them develop containment and a way of uh, de- regulating their emotions, an opportunity to provide the resource experience, rather than just jumping into reprocessing without knowing what it is we're really targeting. It's sort of like, you know, uh, when people have uh, procedures like uh, radiation therapy, you know, they put little marks, little like almost tattoos, and where the thing needs to be focused on to do their correct work. And so part of what we do in history taking and resourcing is we're trying to target so when we begin the eye movements, we know exactly where we need to focus the the tool of EMDR processing.
1: And we also get a chance to do some assessment about how dissociative someone is, how fragile someone is, um, because if you jump in too soon, you might really uh, get your client way out of their window of tolerance. So we need to to know a little bit about who we're dealing with and, as Kurt says, being able to really target the correct thing where we know what we're targeting.
0: And one other thing that I think we need to at least touch upon is the client that may be afraid of their emotions and Mm -hmm. they begin to prematurely stop their own reprocessing because they feel they're out of control, that they'll go crazy, you know, those irrational beliefs that often come with traumatic experience. And so one of the things that we teach is if they feel that, well, you honor their concern, but we may shift the focus of the reprocessing away from the targeted memory and look at that, which some call defense mechanism, that fear, that uh, the, the thing that's trying to protect them and honor it by that becomes our target. And It becomes a wonderful time to do a float back or affect scan to one of the very, very first time they may have felt such hesitation and avoidance to going into emotional issues. And many times it goes back to experience in their family of origin where they've seen someone get so upset they were afraid if they touch into their emotions, they're going to be crazy like mom or dad.
1: Right. I'm going to start crying and never That's stop. right. Mm. You know, Kurt, something, oh, I don't know, maybe about a year or so ago, there started to be, started to be a lot of conversation um, in the research and in the, you know, listservs and, and communication groups that in therapist your therapist was, is phase two preparation resourcing even necessary at all? Can I just skip it and go right to the reprocessing?
0: Well, remember, preparation, there's really two parts. One is the mechanical part, where we're explaining how EMDR is different. You know, we're sitting like ships passing in the night. We're doing eye movements or auditory or tactile stimulation. We have to talk about, you know, the stop signal. We have to educate them about what it means when we use the phrase, like you're sitting on a train and watch the scenery go by. And that's part of preparation that you cannot skip if they've never had EMDR therapy before. To the other half of that question, there may be individuals that come in that are already highly resourced. A yoga instructor, someone that's practiced meditation for 20 years, and they are very much able to contain their emotions. That person, you might make the decision to not do all the resourcing that we would do with someone else because they come in with those talents and skills already. That's how I would probably answer that. No, you never skip it, but it's how you do it that may differ.
1: And I think the one of the most important takeaways from that is people talk about or make the assumption that EMDR therapy is just a manualized treatment. And it is a very that well, yes, we do have a manual and we do have scripts. Yes, that's true. It is a very client-centered therapy. And that's what Kurt was just speaking to, that for some clients, I don't need to do resourcing. They've got it. They've had it for years. Other people, I may need to resource for several sessions before um, both of us feel comfortable with doing the reprocessing. So it's very much client-centered. What is this client sitting across from me right now? What does this client need?
0: You know, in the trainings that we do, it's... You know, in the beginning, it's very manualized. It's very strict. You, you read the scripts. It's, and as we said before, it's like teaching someone to ride a bike. You have to learn how to get your balance first. But usually by the end of our trainings, I'm always amazed at, at, at our participants when they're able to say, oh, I'm beginning to see the art of EMDR therapy, right. not just the okay. scientific mechanical, what feels like regimented part. It's only regimented. When you begin to learn it, and, in, and it's necessary to learn it, but once you learn it, then the art piece comes out.
1: Right. But you got to know what you're doing before you That's start right. going in it's like
0: It's, it's true like that like a great artist, a painter, who knows the rules of art, but once he, he or she knows the rules of art, they can violate them because they know the rules, but they're not violating the whole act of artistic expression.
1: Um, You know, one of the things for me, Kurt, and I don't know if you can speak to this for you, that if I feel that a client is truly ready to do the work, I love Arn Hoffman's three tests, and that is something that I do. But also, if they can use the stop signal, if they've demonstrated to me that they can do the stop signal um, so that they recognize when they're out of their window of tolerance, that... Gives me more confidence yeah. that we are ready to do reprocessing. And it
0: gives us that opportunity to check to see if it's they're really out of the window of tolerance or it's their fear of going out of the window of tolerance.
1: Right. They're just uncomfortable. Feelings are uncomfortable. Yeah. Guess what? Yes, they can are. be. Yeah. Yeah. Um now one thing I do want to just take a minute to clarify. Um, we are talking about uh longer-term work, if you will, not an early intervention. Because early intervention, which if you haven't had a chance to listen to the podcast we did with Dr. Deborah Silveria, we spend a lot of... That whole thing is about early interventions. Really interesting. But early interventions are a different animal, if you will, uh, depending on which intervention we're doing. Sometimes those are within moments, within hours, within days where you're actually doing bilaterals and but they're very specific protocols so i just want to put that out there that that is different than what we're talking and about. and
0: it's different because the memory has not had an opportunity to integrate yet so the the memories are still uh you know the, th- the thalamus is offline and so what happens is that those memories are recalled and and burst of images and imprints and feelings there's not a narrative to it, and so to treat that kind of experience requires a little different adaptation or modification of the standard protocol, and that's when these early intervention uh, protocols are so helpful.
1: So, kind of as a, a closing, um, I want y'all to remember what Kurt and I have said a million and ten different times: EMDR therapy is a very robust methodology. So, if you start reprocessing. To, "Quote unquote too soon, and their clank is out of your window, out of their window of tolerance. No harm, no fouls. Stop. Resource. Figure out what that blocking belief is, or that um, feeder memory is that you need to go after. Take care of that. Go back into doing the reprocessing again. You haven't done any harm. Okay, it's it's okay. We'll get there. Um, if you've waited too long, g- give yourself the courage. Jump in. We can do this. Um, so, again, very robust methodology. And, Mi- very and Michelle,
0: robust. if the clinicians among us are afraid of doing that, and they're hesitant for all sorts of, you know, perhaps professional or legal reasons, we have a therapy that's very helpful for that kind of anxiety. Really?
1: What, what would that be called, It's, it's called
0: EMDR therapy.
1: Hmm. Oh. <laughs> um, so take from this, yes, you can work with them probably sooner than you think. Um, always get consultation if you're not sure. That's just always a good idea in, in general. And, look, like, you know, do what you need to do to help heal the world, people. And the,
0: to say what Francine said one more time, the best way to stabilize your client is to desensitize their trauma.
1: Thank you, everyone, for listening. Looking forward to talking to you next, till time. next time. Until next time.